Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Oh, you know Bakar's preaching. There's stuff on the stage, okay? It's going to be a fun day. I'm actually really stoked to be here today. It's going to be awesome. Before we get into any of the message, I have the privilege of honest, and you have the privilege of being at a church with a great staff, and I have the privilege of getting to work with a great staff from my senior pastor, Pastor Jim, to, to seriously everyone, Pastor Michael, John, everyone. But I want to highlight one of them, and that's the, the lady, the pastor that was just hosting us, Pastor Aaron. Do you know Pastor Aaron? Raise your hand. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to highlight her because she is working so hard. When it comes around the holiday season, right, most of us are preparing for all the family that's going to be around, everything like that. Pastor Aaron has to prepare for like a million things from senior bunco to what they did yesterday with the foster care and doing the Friendsgiving to, to an event that's going to be at the Clark Terrace to another uh, foster care kind of Christmas banquet, all kinds of not mentioned Operation Christmas Child, too many things for me to know what's going on about. All right. And she does it with a smile on her face and sweat on her brow and just does it as like the best I've ever seen. And so when you see her, I don't think she's, she's probably still running around trying to get back in here. But when you see her, can you just give her a big, just a thank you, a hug, whatever it takes. She works so hard. And so even though she's not here, can we give her a round of applause? Her family's here. They can tell her that that's what happened. But today we're going to be talking about Acts chapter 10. And I, I'm telling you, this is a great chapter. Go ahead, turn your Bibles there, Acts chapter 10. And, and I know, so, so I have been alive for 36 years. So there's, I know, right? I, I don't know if you're like, wow, he's so young, or man, he looks so old. Like I thought he was alive. I don't know which one you're going with, but I've only been alive for 36 years. So a lot of things that were major, major things were already either at the beginning and I kind of just kind of grew up around them or they had already been invented. Like something like the microwave has always been in my life, right? Like that has just always been there. Some of you remember when it first came out, I can't even imagine like the black magic you probably thought that was, right? Like just, what is this? All right, I just don't even know. I have no, I don't know. I was around right about the time when the internet started. So I was like a little kid. So we had like computer class and we all played Oregon Trail. Um, so every 30 year old knows Oregon Trail and knows that we never made it. We all died. So, um, so they're just like, just stuff like that. That's kind of, you know, those things that happen. But I, I do remember before cell phones, um, right before, I think I had a cell phone in high school. So I'm not talking like, you know, I know totally before cell phones. Some of you remember no phones or calling somebody an operator. I don't know what you did, but, um, but I, I remember life like, you know, a little bit before cell phones where it was a little more difficult to call somebody. Right. And now you can't even imagine your life without your cell phone. Right. Some of you were like, I'll never get one of those. And now that's all you're on all the time playing your, your dumb games. Um, and so I remember, I remember not having a cell phone and, um, and I don't know if any other thing 30 year old did this but let me tell you what what I had to do because there was no cell phones and I was 15 or 14 years old my mom would drop me off in my little small town called the Tascadero and when I wanted to come home none of my friends had cell phones so we had a pay phone do you guys remember pay phones all right mostly I know most of you probably do right and they were like 35 cents well I never had money because I was a teenager and so this is was the cheat code that was taught to me by my mom and this is what I used do you guys remember 1-800-COLLECT all right and there was a commercial that they did for 1-800-COLLECT, which I think they should have never done because it lost them so much money, where the person dialed 1-800-COLLECT and they said, say my name. 
And then, uh, and then the guy said, my name is Ada Baby It's a Boy. And then the parents pick up and they hear the name and then they deny the call and they hang up, right? And then the wife is like, who was that, honey? And she goes, it's John, he had a baby, it's a boy. Do you guys remember this really weird commercial? Well, my mom saw that and said, that's what we're doing all the time. And so every time I would wanna be picked up from the gym or from hanging out with my friends when we were like, you know, in downtown Tascadero, I would go to the phone, I would dial one at her collect. And when they say, say your name, I would go, hey mom, it's Charlie, come pick me up. This is where I'm at, bye. And then the, the name, cause apparently they liked really long names. And, uh, and then my mom would hear that and I would know my mom was coming to get me if the call was denied. If the call was, there was nobody there, then I knew I had to call again and call again and do this whole, whole thing, right? Now I have a cell phone and I can text everybody in like a minute and I'm so mad. Have you ever gotten mad when somebody doesn't text you right back? Like you are the center of their universe. Like they could be doing absolutely nothing else but waiting for your text message, right? Or for some young people, like you get mad when someone reads your text message and like, and like doesn't text you back. Like I didn't even know that was a thing because I've done that to so many people. So many people are probably hurt by me because I like read it and I'm like, oh, that sounds like fun. And I just don't say anything else after that. So that's, that's just kind of like these big things that happen that kind of change the world, the microwave, the internet, cell phones, all these kind of stuff. Big major shifts. Acts 10, Acts 10 is a major, it's bigger than all of that that I just talked about. The shift that happens in Acts chapter 10, the, the amount of surprise that happens with the disciples, everything that's going on in Acts chapter 10 is a huge just, man, the world just got flipped upside down. I have no idea why this is, what is going on? And they had just, they are now living in a whole new world. Just like some of us feel like we've done throughout our whole lives. And that is why it is so important that we pay attention to what Acts chapter 10 is teaching us and that we do not fall back into things that Acts chapter 10 was trying to get us out of, amen? So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna pray really quick and then we're gonna get right into the message. So go ahead, bow your heads with me. Father, God, we pray over this verse. God, I pray over this scripture. God, I pray, I know that I have studied and, and done what, I, what you've asked me to do. And so God, I know the words that I'm speaking. I feel confident that they're from you, but God, let them be received today. That God, anybody in here who is searching or seeking or has been here for a long time, that God, we would receive what you have for us today and we'd walk out of here with more knowledge and more understanding of what you've asked for us to do. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so we're gonna be in this Acts chapter 10. And in Acts chapter 10, this is a story, a real true story with real people, real life events that happened, but it's gonna kind of switch locations, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but when I read a book, like a storybook or anything, and they have different characters in different locations, I can get all messed up. In a movie, it's great because you can like see them and you see the different places. Sometimes they even put it like on the bottom, like they put where you are just for those of you who would get confused and like, I thought we were there. Just, just they do that for us, all right? So what I'm gonna try to do is I'm gonna try to replicate that with these two things. This is, this is me and my daughter's Harry Potter castle. Yes, I do like Harry Potter and yes, I am safe. So if that messes with you I'm so sorry um, but this is we built this together we're like really proud of this I want to tell you this is my daughter's but there's something in me that's like no this is mine and my daughter gets to like gets to see it um, now so this we're going to treat this as a city called Caesarea okay this is what we're going to we're going to treat this as a city called Caesarea I'm going to tell you a little bit about that and then this this is the Encanto house that I bought my kids for Christmas we will be uh, taking bids on this after service to get it out of my house for your Christmas, so it can be in your house. No, that I would be disowned to be sleeping outside. Um, this is our, this is gonna be Joppa, all right? Can you guys say Joppa with me? Oh, so good. All right, so this is gonna be Joppa. This is Caesarea, this is Joppa. Let me tell you about these two cities. The first thing you gotta know is both of these cities 
have an ancient historical background. So both these cities have ancient historical heritage in both of these cities. They are both beach cities. So both of these cities are set right on the coast and you can get to them. They're about 35 miles apart, 35 to 38 miles apart. And it would take you about maybe 12 and a half, 13 hours walking time to get from one city to the next, just straight walking up the coast, just kind of going up right there. And you could get in between these two cities, all right? Now, what's different about these cities is Caesarea is an ancient historical Jewish city, but is now a port city for the Roman government in our story today. In our story today, this city is a port city for the Roman government. It is, it is one of the biggest cities for, for the Roman government. It has a ton of Roman soldiers there, a ton of what we're gonna call Gentiles. If you don't know what a Gentile is, you've just been in church, and people say that every once in a while. A Gentile is someone who is not Jewish. So there are still Jewish people that live in Caesarea, but most of the population is what we would call Gentiles. So anybody who is not Jewish. So with the Gentiles, they've brought in different gods. They've brought in different customs. They've brought in all kinds of different things. And that is Caesarea. So Caesarea is an anciently historic Jewish city with some Jewish people still living there. But most of the people that live here are Gentiles. Now over here in Joppa, it's almost kind of the opposite. It's an ancient historic Jewish city but most of the people who live there are Jews still. So there's still Jewish customs. They still eat like the Jewish people. They still follow all the Jewish ways, all right? So in both of these cities is where we're gonna to be today. And in both of these cities, we're gonna see people that kind of reflect their city. So first we're gonna start off with our story in Caesarea and we're gonna be introduced to a man named Cornelius. So we're in Caesarea and I wanna introduce you to Cornelius. So go ahead, turn your Bibles, Acts chapter 10. We're gonna read verses one and two. It says, now, you guys ready? Now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. So let's, let's just stop right there. So this man named Cornelius is a centurion, which means this. He is a leader of about 80 to 100 Roman soldiers, right? Now it's very specific here. It says from the Italian cohort, and it just so happens that there is an Italian cohort that is in that city at that time. There's probably a lot of them, but there is one that was uh, written down in historical books that was in Caesarea at this time called the Italian cohort that were professional archers. So there's a huge chance that this guy, Cornelius, this rough kind of kind of veteran, this, this leader of men, this man who was stout, who was firm, who was probably a leader of a hundred, about a hundred archers that were all a part of the Roman government, all right? They were all part of the Roman soldiers, part of the Roman government. He grew up as a Roman. He grew up as a Gentile. He grew up with all of their gods, all of their things, everything that's going on. He kind of reflects the city because he's just this Gentile, this man who grew up. But look at what else Cornelius is. Verse two, a devout man who feared God with his whole household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. So what we can see about, about Cornelius is this, is that he was a Roman soldier. He is a Roman soldier. He is a Gentile, but he must have been searching for something because he grew up with Roman gods. He grew up with, with gods that, that were not the God of Israel, but he maybe was stationed in Caesarea, a, a city with ancient Jewish background. He must have discovered the God of Israel and he must have found that the gods that he grew up worshiping, just they weren't, they weren't clicking, they weren't truth. And he has now discovered the God of Israel and he discovers that man, this God must be the one true God. And so what does he do? He prays to him continuously and he gives alms to Jewish people. So he is respected in the Jewish community, but he is what they would call a God fearer. And what a God fearer is, so that is what they would label Cornelius as, a God fearer. He is not a Jew, 
He is definitely not a Christian because he hasn't been introduced to the gospel yet. But he has not, he has not accepted the Jewish ways. He has not been circumcised. He does not eat kosher food. He just knows that that God is real and he knows that it's truth. And so he prays to him and he gives alms, but that's kind of just where he does. And so I would describe Cornelius as this kind of person. He is a good guy, but not a Christian. Cornelius is a good guy, but he's not a Christian. Now, what you're gonna discover about Cornelius here is that he desires more from God. And for some of you in this room, this is where you have stopped. You are a good person, but if you were honest with yourself, you're not a Christian. You believe in God, you're cool with God, you think there's a God, you say one nation under God. But if I were to ask you, hey, have you submitted your life to Jesus? Do you obey his commands? Do you give to him everything you have? Are you willing to obey and put it all in for Christ? You would probably say, well, no, but I'm a good person, right? I'm just a good dude. I'm a good lady. I'm all right. God's going to like me because I'm pretty good. Now, that's something a lie that culture will tell you. Like, that's probably good enough, right? Be a good person, believe in God, and you're going to get to heaven. Like, how could God not like you? You're so cool, right? But let me tell you what the problem is. Because you're a good person. You feel like you're a good person. But in, in the way that we live today, good is, it fluctuates, right? Good to you might not be good to someone else. Good to that person might not be good to you. So everybody thinks they're good, but we would all know this, right? Like deep inside our truth that we know, we also know people aren't good. We know people that are not good. Thanos, okay? If you haven't watched, what does PJ say? I've given you like, you know, 30 years. Or, I don't remember what he says, but he says stuff about movies. Like I, we've given you time to watch, you know, Thanos and all that. Thanos in the Marvel movies believes he's doing good when he kills half the population of the universe, right? He thinks he's a good person. And what's sad and what's wrong is that if you live life being a good person, just not a Christian, I'm telling you right now, one, you'll never be satisfied and two, that is not good enough. You're never gonna get to heaven or be in relationship with God based on your good works. Now, Cornelius, we're gonna see in the story, is not gonna be satisfied there. And so my challenge to you who sits in this room and you're seeking, and I wanna tell you, it's, I want you to be here. I want you to seek. I want you to ask questions. I want you to say, listen, I love God, but I don't want you just to stay there. Nothing in my life. I love you so much that I want you to understand the satisfaction that happens and the great things that happen when you come into a relationship with Jesus and with the Lord. And where you are right now is not cutting it. It's not gonna happen for you. Not even for the Lord. It's, it's not gonna happen for you. You're gonna get bored with just being a good guy, but not a Christian or a good girl and not a Christian. But that's where Cornelius is. But like I said, he doesn't want to stay there. And he's praying to the gods, like some of you pray to God. And Cornelius gets a vision, and it's an angel. And the angel tells Cornelius, he says this, he says, hey, listen, you need to hear a message from a man. His name is Peter. He is staying in the city Joppa, and he is staying at someone called Simon the Tanner. You need to go find him, bring him back, and you need to hear what he has to say. Now, Cornelius being a person who really desires to do what God wants, he's a person that believes in God, he knows, and he is not just searching and staying. He's saying, I'm searching, but I'm not satisfied. And so when he hears this vision from an angel, he says, all right, let's do it. And you know Cornelius, just so you know, you know Cornelius is serious about this because his vision is given to him at 3 p.m., okay, 3 p.m. Now, we've all, we've all been awake at 3 p.m., most of you. 
And that's right about the time you start to get tired, right? Like you're just like, I'm out. I wish there was nap time. Don't you wish there was like siestas in America? That'd be so awesome. Um, so it's pretty late. It's probably getting close to sundown. And most of the time you would never take off or send someone on a journey past around one or two because it would be dangerous. You'd be walking at night. You'd have to stay somewhere, all kinds of stuff. It would be dangerous to walk and to start your journey at 3 p.m. But Cornelius believes in this vision so much that he calls two of his servants and he calls a Roman guard and he says, I need you guys to leave. And it looks like, as far as I can tell from the scripture and from commentaries, it looks like he tells them, you need to leave immediately. You need to go. You're gonna go. You're probably getting halfway there. You need to find an inn, stay there. And then you need to continue the journey because by the time they reach Peter, it's only like the afternoon. And so they need to leave immediately. Now they could have left the next day. That wouldn't ruin the story. I'm just saying it seems like Cornelius is, is one of those people, he's like, we need to figure out, I am so enthralled with what the Lord has for me to do. I do not want to sleep on this. I'm ready to move and I'm ready to go. That should speak to some of you who've been waiting a long time to move on a vision God's given you a long time ago. But Cornelius is like, hey, well, let's get this. So he starts to send them off. Now this is where we've been in Caesarea. Remember, we've been in Caesarea the whole time. So now the story's gonna shift. Now we're gonna, we're gonna switch scenes. Okay, you ready? Okay, we're, we're going to go over here to Joppa. We're going to go to the Encanto house, okay? I hate this house, by the way. It makes noise. And any parent, just so you know, grandparent, uncle, aunt, friend, who buys another person who doesn't live in your household something that makes noise, every parent is going to look and smile at you and say thank you because they're polite and they're Christian. Um, but in their head, they're be cursing you, okay? And if you're a younger person who we know you'll have kids later, we have written it down. And we cannot wait to either give you back the toy that you've given us or to give you an even louder toy. I'm just saying that right now, okay? But that's where we are. We're over here. We're in, the, we're in Joppa. We're in Joppa. We're at Simon the Tanner's house, okay? Now, Joppa, remember, beach city, mostly Jewish people, all that kind of stuff, right? So we're here. Simon the Tanner's house actually has to be 75 feet away from the rest of the city because he's tanning out animals. He's working with dead animals, all right? In fact, a lot of people would say this is an unclean job, but it looks like Peter's okay with staying there because the man is Jewish and he's staying at this house, but the stench is so bad that they're like, hey, listen, if you're gonna live in the city, that's fine, but you gotta be like away. Like, don't make us smell that. And it looks like that Peter also is not too fond of the stench because when he goes to pray, he goes onto the roof, okay? So he goes onto the roof and it says in scripture, it's about 12 o'clock, and I want you to see what it says. So it says, on the next day, as they were on their way up and approaching the city. So this is, this, he, right there, they're just talking about the men that Cornelius sent. So you say, hey, while they're on their way there, Peter went up on the housetop at about the sixth hour. If your Bible says sixth hour, it's because um, it'd be six hours away from 6 a.m., right? So six hours away from 6 a.m., that's right around 12 o'clock, okay? Just so you guys know, it's, some of your Bibles might say noon. Some of your Bibles might say six hour. For them, the Jewish people, six hour is 12 o'clock noon. It says, but he came hungry and was desiring to eat. While they were making preparations, he fell into a trance. Any of y'all been hungry in church, right? Some of y'all have breakfast and you're hungry right now. You're like, I just can't wait for second breakfast. This is gonna be so good. <laughs> lunch people, man, you can see lunch. Like with the second service, man, they, I can see them start to squirm. Like they wish they brought snacks sometimes. Like when PJ's on a roll, like they're like, oh man, where's, where's, where's the peanuts? Like, like you can see, because we've all been there, right? Where we've been praying, and we're trying to be spiritual, but the tummy is grumbling, right? And that's where Peter is. Peter's hungry. Peter's like, man, I'm praying. I'm a devout man. I'm praying. 
And he's so hungry. I don't know if he's so hungry that he fell into a trance or, or if the Lord put him in a trance, whatever. But we know that he's hungry and he falls into a trance. He falls into this prayer time. And it says, verse 11, and he saw the sky opened up. He must be real hungry. And, and an object like a great sheet came down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there on it were all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the air. And a voice came to Peter and says, get up. Peter kill and eat now I'm going to stop right there and I just need to remind you who Peter is do you remember Peter is a disciple and if you don't know who Peter is Peter is one of the main disciples of Jesus he's he's the man that right after Pentecost preaches and all those people get saved that's Peter Peter is also the man who walks on water like have you ever heard that story where Jesus walks on water Peter is the disciple who gets out of the boat and walks with Jesus Peter is also the man that cuts off that dude's ear when Jesus is like hey chill out right remember that guy okay Peter is he Peter is probably the closest to the age of Jesus so him and Jesus are probably the closest in age of all disciples Peter Peter and Jesus are probably the closest in age and Peter is the one that pulls Jesus aside when Jesus says hey I'm gonna die Peter's the one that pulls him aside and says hey, no you're not like no you're not gonna die and Peter knows that Jesus is the Messiah and so Peter has no shame in pulling Jesus aside who he believes is gonna be the savior of the world and saying you're wrong okay that's the Peter we're dealing with so when I read this next part, understand that Peter, even though he's changed a lot, still has a little of the old Peter in him because a sheet has come down from heaven and a voice came out that he knows of the Lord and says, bro, you can eat any of this. And on this sheet are animals that he has never been allowed to eat in his entire life. Now, listen, just because he wasn't allowed to eat them doesn't mean that he doesn't know they smell good. You've smelled bacon before, right? It smells good. It doesn't take a brain like scientists to be like hey that's gonna be good if i eat it but peter has denied himself of all this and now he is seeing and he hears the lord say you're allowed to eat whatever you want on the sheet like it's fine do you know what peter's response is by no means lord for i've never eaten anything unholy and unclean so the lord has said bro you can have this and peter's like you're wrong right that's the peter we're dealing with right now he's still kind of the same old peter and then look, it says again, the voice came to him a second time. What God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. Look how many times this happened. This happened three times. Three times Peter's like, nah, right? Like that's what Peter was doing. He's like, you must be wrong. I think this is the wrong Peter. I don't know what he's thinking. And it doesn't even say that Peter finally like relents and is like, you're right, Lord. It just says later, it says this happened three times and immediately the object was taking up into the sky. I like to believe that God got frustrated after three times. And he was just like, I'm just taking it out. Like, figure it out, bro. Like, we're done here, okay? I can't do this for, right? That's what I like to believe. I don't know if that's what happened, but that's what I like to believe. Is that the sheet was there and it was saying, hey, listen, you can have this. And Peter keeps saying, no, I've never eaten anything unholy and unclean. And the Lord's response is, don't call anything I've made unholy or unclean. Is the Lord just talking about food right here? No, he's not. He's not explicit with it. But the Lord is making a very clear statement to Peter. Anything I've made, do not call unholy and unclean. Now, I'm going to stop here. And I'm going to give you a little history. The people of Israel have been taught their whole lives that they are called to be set apart from everyone else. That they are to eat different food. They are to be circumcised. They are to look different, act different, worship one God. While everyone else does all these different things, the people of Israel have been called to be holy, to be set apart. 
and they are not allowed to eat food. They're not allowed to eat on plates that have touched unclean food. They have all these things, not because God is like, hey, I wanna like make a bunch of rules for you to follow, but because God is like, listen, I want you to be so set apart and so different from anyone else that the only reason you as a nation succeed or fail is based on your trust and your love in me. He's trying to make a very clear point here. He's trying to say, listen, nobody can believe that it's because of how great you are at farming. Or He's trying to say, listen, I need you to be so set apart from everyone else that you look so different that when I do something, people notice that it's not just you, that it must be the God of your people, okay? So they have been taught to not marry any Gentiles. They have been taught to not partake, not even to be in the same house that that would be what they would call unclean. That's why they can't have some of that food because that food was eaten by other people, but for them, it would be, it would be labeled unclean. Now, that's all gonna change right here. Not only the food, but also this idea that the Jewish people have, because I want you to know this, that God never made the rest of the races and said, I made them dirty and only you clean. That was never the intent. In fact, the whole reason God, if you look back on Genesis three, when the fall of man happens, God is, is orchestrating this whole time, not just to save the Israelite people, but for the Israelite people to bring forth the savior of the world. So this always has been the case. It was always gonna be that the Gentiles were gonna be brought into the fold. But as time passed, the Jewish people made more and more and more rules and they stopped looking at people as, as others and they started looking at them as dirty and gross and we can't even talk to them, don't even mess with them, don't go into their house. And they put in all these barriers. They switched their view of what they looked like based on like the things that God was having them do. They took what God was saying and they put even more on it. So the Jewish people believe that Gentiles would have been unclean. And yet, being sent to Peter right now are two Gentiles and a Roman soldier. Two Gentiles and a guy who looks a lot like the guy who killed Jesus. And Peter is stuck in this way of how he's been thinking, even though he has witnessed the Savior coming down, dying for everyone on earth, and in fact, before Jesus left, what is Jesus' last words to the disciples? Go into all nations, right? Do you know how long it's been when this story is happening since Jesus ascended into earth, into heaven, from earth? Between seven and 10 years. So between seven and 10 years, Peter has been stuck. So that's how I wanna label Peter. Some of you in here might be a Peter. You are a disciple who is stuck. You love Jesus. You got your Bible, it's got lots of notes, but can I be honest with you? No one's even read your notes. You have never talked to someone else about what you've written down in your own Bible. You've never, you've never, you've never gone outside your comfort zone. In fact, in your mind as a disciple, one of the things that you get when you get saved is you get to be safe. And you built your little bubble just like Peter did you live in your little Joppa and you live around all the people that think and talk and look and act like you, that believe like you, that pray like you, that only go to your church because you know other churches, they ain't about this. You know what I mean? Like, like you've created your own little bubble and you've said, this is where I'm safe. And can I be honest with you? You're not safe, you're stuck. You haven't been doing what God has asked you to do. You haven't been listening to what he's, he's brought you to. In fact, when he brings you a vision, you often have an excuse of why you can't do that vision, right? Just like Peter. God, I can't do that. That's crazy. We've never done that before. 
I've never taken that step. I can't do this. And you argue back and forth with him, just like Peter's doing. But Peter, just like Cornelius, he's not satisfied. He's not satisfied with being stuck. In fact, he's pondering this vision as these men are walking up to Simon the Tanner's house, that, that sheet has gone up and now Peter is reflecting on this vision. Go ahead, look at, look at Acts um, uh, 10, 19. While Peter was reflecting on the vision, the spirit said to him, Before, behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, go downstairs and accompany them without any misgivings, for I have sent them myself. Like Peter's gonna get downstairs, there's gonna be two Gentiles and a Roman soldier and the Lord just said, I have sent them, I have sent them. So go with them without any, like don't even hesitate. So Peter went down to the man and said, behold, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the entire nation of the Jews, was divinely directed by an holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and to hear a message from you. So he invited them in and gave them lodging. Now it says he invited them in. And you're like, oh, Peter, he's a good guy. Can I tell you what that means? I'm from a Middle Eastern background, right? My, my dad's family is from Syria, okay? You have never met my animal and Aunt Nadia, but if you ever did, okay? And some of you have cultures like this, so this isn't gonna be you know, too far-fetched for you, but, but in Syrian culture, at least, when you come into their house, you are the most important person in the world. They will ask you about everything. If you don't have a husband, they're gonna get you a husband. Like they will do any, honestly, okay? We do rolled grape leaves, okay? Some people call them dolma. Like we do rolled grape leaves. My aunt, we will make hundreds and my aunt will be watching your plate. And as soon as there's like five left on your plate, she'll take her hand, dip it in that thing and throw like 20 more on there, right? Just like, you know, just like some of the abuelas in here, they do the same thing, right? You can't have like no room on the plate. They're gonna make sure you leave satisfied. Like that is my family. So, so when it says that Peter brings them in, and gives them lodging he doesn't give them like the gross spare room on the side he gives them like the best he's gonna feed them he's gonna go against everyone and everyone else in Joppa is probably like looking like dude what's Peter doing he can't do that but Peter's not worried about what everyone else is thinking he's only worried about what he feels the spirit has led him to do and he gives them lodging and it says he gets up the next day and he starts going to Cornelius' house. He starts taking that walk and some other Jewish people come with him. I don't know if they just wanna see what happens or if he's like, bro, I need backup. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. Like, I have no idea. But there's a group of people now walking to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius is so excited because he's just so stoked. He's like, man, I don't know what's about to happen, but God is doing something in my life and I wanna know. So he invites like his close friends and he gets all of his family, he gets his servants. Everybody's there in, in the, at, at the house waiting for Peter to arrive. He expects Peter to come because the Lord has told him that Peter's gonna come. So he gets to the house, Peter gets to the house. And do you know, this is how you know Cornelius is just is a seeker. He just wants more of God. Because as soon as he sees Peter, he kind of goes back into what a Roman kind of pagan would do. He begins to worship Peter. Look at, look at, verse, um, look at verse 25. It says, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshiped him. This is something that, that Cornelius would have been used to doing. He believes that the emperor is a god. He believes that people, men that walk on, they could be gods. They could be revered. They could be worshiped. He's still searching. He's still seeking. He ain't perfect. So Peter raises him up, verse 26, raises him up and says, stand up, I am too just a man. And as he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled there. I don't know if Peter was expecting that. He just heard about Cornelius. Now he gets there and there's all kinds of Gentiles here. And he's like, bro, I thought I could get away with this. Now this, there's no way, they're all here. And he says, 
how, found many people assembled and he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful this is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Peter becoming unstuck right there. He's saying, listen, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm not gonna tell you I have all this history and all these rules that I've followed since I was a kid but the Lord has asked me to do something and so I'm not gonna rely based on what I thought I knew. I'm gonna rely based on what the Spirit has told me and what I know is true. So he asked Cornelius, he says, hey, what do you want from me? And Cornelius tells the vision, he goes, I, I don't know. He goes, he goes, honestly, like this angel came and he said that you have a message for me. And Peter, the only message that Peter Cornelius about Jesus he starts refer, He starts giving some brief history and he starts referring to Jesus of Nazareth and he starts just pouring in to, 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 to Cornelius, speaking the gospel and telling him that like, hey, only by this one way can you be saved. This is how you come into communion with God. And I don't know what Peter expects to happen, but I can tell you what we're gonna see next, he had no idea was about to happen. It says this, verse 44. It says, while Peter was still speaking on these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers, all those people that came with Peter, all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. Do you know what a jaw-dropping moment this is for the Jewish people? They have grown up believing all their lives that they were the ones that they were set apart that, that this savior was only probably going to be for them That's, that, that was a false belief but that is what they believed they didn't think that anybody who was not circumcised and ate those foods could ever feel the, the fullness of God these people that they're looking at have no historical background they have no they have no they have no history of following the Holy Spirit through the desert they have no they have no recollection some of them were from the same descendants of those who like enslaved them and Egypt like like they're thinking there's no way these guys are going to understand the power of Jesus Christ and yet while Peter is still speaking it says the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak in tongues that is the power of the gospel can I tell you two things that I see here number one for those of you who get so worried about how good you're going to do at telling your friends and your family about Jesus can I give you this you need to stop thinking that you're the only person that the Holy Spirit is working in because you got to understand that he's given visions before you. He's working on the person he's asked you to preach to. You're so worried that you're going to mess it up and you got no idea that he was working ahead of you. And he's like, listen, I don't even want to make this about you. Can you please just do what I'm asking you to do? Because I've been preparing so-and-so for a long time and he's waiting for you. Couldn't the angel have just told Cornelius the gospel? Couldn't that just been the case? God's not going to do that. God's going to use us. And you've been waiting so long. I can't do it. I can't do it. You have, a, you have a name in your brain right now of someone that you're supposed to have prayed for or done something for, and you've just been waiting. You're like, oh, it'd be awkward. I'm telling you, you have no idea the amount of work the Holy Spirit is putting in on that person. How they've been talking to them, moving them, having them change their thinking. You don't see it. But man, he's been loving them. He's been giving them visions. And that person's waiting for the person with the gospel to come and to explain it all. That's the first thing you need to see. The second thing you need to see is this. You know, one of the greatest things about Christianity, I'm gonna say this for those that are seeking. Do you know Christianity is the only major religion 
that where it started is not the epicenter of it? Do you notice that? You remember, it started in the Middle East with a bunch of Jewish guys. And then it gets to the Gentiles like we're, we're seeing right here. And then it stays just right there in that section. And then, and then the gospel is so powerful that, that if you were to think like 40 years back, you probably would have put America as the epicenter of Christianity, right? It's where all the churches are coming out, all the missionaries coming out. Now, now if you think now, like right now, do you know where, where Christianity is exploding? In places like Asia, in places like Africa, in places like South America. Like Christianity, it seems to me, Christianity, it doesn't matter your culture, your context, where you live, how much money you have, that, that the idea of a God who loves me and a Savior who came and died for me and the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit can I just tell you it just seems like that's what humans were created for it seems like it speaks to people these men Cornelius's house have no idea who Jesus is they didn't walk with Jesus like Peter did they didn't hear Jesus speak some of them just know Jesus as that guy that died and that they lost the body and yet when his name is invoked something clicks in their souls and they begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Something's gonna happen when you choose to preach the gospel to those who you think will never hear it. Look what, look what happens. This is so, they're, the Jewish people's jaws are on the floor. They got, they're like, how is this possible? They don't have the back, like, what is going on here? And what's crazy is this is not the way it's supposed to go. Like, like the people in front of them should have had to at least been water baptized before they got the Holy Spirit. Like that was how it usually goes. But can I show you what, 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 uh, what Peter says? He says, and surely no one can refuse the water these, for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to stay for a few days. The whole world turns right here. Then now people like me and you can receive the gospel. People in Asia and Africa and South America can understand the fulfillment that happens when we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this, surprising things happen. God does surprising things when we choose to submit to him. God does surprising things when we choose to walk in submission to him. And I know surprising things for some of you are so scary because you're like, I don't want surprises. I like to know I'm a planner. I don't want surprising things to happen to me. I don't want to be in the story. This story sounds so stressful. Can I tell you this? You're just trying to operate in safety and not in submission. And this isn't in your notes. It's just something I want to say. Safety will never satisfy. You're never going to be satisfied with your walk with God. I don't care if you're a young person or if you're an older person. Your safety, if you just rely on that, it will never satisfy with your walk with God. It's not. It's not gonna bring you the things that you truly desire. It's not gonna speak to your heart. And I get it. I know all the things that are against what God is asking you to do. I know that you don't feel qualified. I know you don't feel good enough. I know you got all that stuff. I'm just telling you right now, if you just try to walk in the safety and the comfort of your little bubble, it's never gonna satisfy what God really has for you. And as your pastor, that's what I want for you. I want you to know the satisfaction and the joy and the excitement that happens when you just, when you just go, I'm going for it. I don't care what, 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 what 
everyone else has told me is okay. I don't care what, what, when the Holy Spirit prompts me, I'm just gonna say yes, like Cornelius did. I'm gonna get unstuck from whatever way I've been in and I'm just gonna say yes to the Spirit. I'm gonna walk into someone's house and I'm gonna do whatever God asked me to do because I wanna feel the satisfaction that happens when I choose to submit to him and I wanna see surprising things happen in my city and my family. I've been very clear with the staff and with like, we believe 2023 is gonna be awesome. I honestly do. For our church, I honestly do. I don't know if it's gonna be for the nation. I don't know. And you know what? I'm caring about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man at this point. So I just believe that. But can I tell you this? It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen unless we all believe that. It's not. Just because Pastor Charlie and Pastor Aaron and Pastor Jim and Pastor, Pastor Tall Charlie and like just because the staff believes it, Don't mean nothing if you don't walk with us. If you can't follow our leadership and just say, hey, we're we're believing this. I'm gonna gonna get out there. I'm 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 gonna preach the gospel. I'm gonna obey the spirit. I'm gonna go for it. But I believe that's what God wants to do in this church. For those disciples that are stuck, for those of you who have been here a long time and you just feel like, like, okay, I've got my routine. I'm telling you, be ready to be surprised. Be willing to be surprised. Be in, the, be in prayer like Cornelius and, and Peter were and be ready to receive what God has for you. And don't be like Peter and just keep arguing. Just be like Cornelius and say, all right, let's go. Let's do it. I'll, I'll go right now if you want me to. Start working in that faith and let's see what God does. And for those of you in here that have believed the lie culture has told you, maybe the lie you've told yourself, that it's okay just to be a good person, but not a Christian. You know, you know that that it's not been satisfactory. It's, it's It's just been okay. And you want more. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. Can everybody bow your head, close your eyes with me really quick. Today, you wanna walk in submission and make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. And you wanna say, Holy Spirit, come into my life and let's, And let's walk this life together. I want to submit and be forgiven of my sins. Then with every head bowed, every eye closed, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to to look at me. Just want to raise your head, just look at me. I see you. That was quick. All right, bow your heads with me. With the the people that raised their, their eyes and looked up, I want you to repeat this prayer. In fact, all of us are going to repeat this prayer together. So repeat after me. Father, Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, become the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Convict me where I need to be convicted. Encourage me where I need to be encouraged. Father, I give you all of me. Right now, those that, that raise their head, what I, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm just going to pray for you. You don't have to repeat this. Father, I pray that those souls, that, that God, they'd feel that Holy Spirit come into life. God, I, I pray they'd, they'd start feeling the thoughts and the, and the prayers that come in, the, only from the Holy Spirit, the visions that happen, the, the, the way that they see their, their world and their life changing. God, I pray they would see themselves not as dirty or as rotten or as unclean or as unholy, but God, they are adopted into the family of God that they, that they feel right now, even in their physical bodies, God, the presence of the Holy Spirit coming over their lives, that they know the peace that comes from believing in Christ Jesus, Father. I pray that on them right now as we pray. In your holy name, amen.
Will you guys stand with me? I love this thing that Pastor Jim started. And so I want to I do it before we all leave. So repeat after me. This is a prayer for us as we leave. Lord, keep me outward focused and fill me with your spirit. Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Open up opportunities to minister outside the church and make me into a generous person like you. Amen, guys. I love you all. We'll see you guys next week. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.